Amen. Amen. Good to see all of you this morning. Mark's Gospel, chapter 4 this morning. Mark's Gospel, chapter 4. While you're finding that in your Bibles, just a couple of reminders. This Wednesday, we are having Bible study, and I am teaching it. It's just not going to be in the cafeteria. We are going to be at Toby and Marcia Price's home for a big home Bible study. And so uh, some of you might go, well, I'd like to go, but I don't know where they live. Well, the information of where they live is either in your bulletin today or it's in the e-newsletter. And if you still can't find it, then let us know and we will make sure that you get their address so that you can be there Wednesday night, 7 o'clock sharp. We will be teaching out of the book of 2 Timothy, which, by the way, then the next week, Wednesday, February the 1st, we will be back in the cafeteria. And I'm going to be sharing a message that night that I, again, am encouraging so many people to come out to hear. Because God wants us as His people to understand the times in which we live. And that night we're going to be talking from the Bible about what are the times in which we live. What characterizes the times in which we live. That's February the 1st. And we'll have pizza that night from like 6.30 to 7. And then we'll have our normal Bible study back in the cafeteria. So this Wednesday, Bible study at Toby and Marsh's house, the 25th. And then February the 1st, we will be uh, back in, uh, in the cafeteria for our Bible study. Another announcement... Don't forget, men's barbecue is next Sunday, right after the service. And so, please, men, go out and talk to Woody and sign up for the men's barbecue next Sunday. Speaking of next Sunday, one more thing. Obviously, you all do a great job, and you all hopefully feel the freedom to always invite people to the Oasis. But I want to give a special encouragement to you all today to use next Sunday as a special uh, opportunity to invite somebody that you know to come back with you next Sunday for the service. And here's why. I believe that the message that God has given me for next Sunday not only is something that obviously we can benefit from, but I think that most of the people that you probably know could be encouraged by this as well. Let me just share with you quickly what are going to be the four main points of next week's message. Jesus offers safety through life's storms. Jesus offers peace through life's confusion. Jesus offers relief from life's pain. And Jesus offers hope through life's tragedies. To any of those you think would help you and do any of those you believe would help others. Maybe someone you know is going through a storm, they're going through a season of confusion, maybe they're going through a time of pain, or even they've been through a tragedy recently. Uh, I think the message next week will be a great encouragement. So think about, maybe pray about who you could invite to bring with you next Sunday January the 29th. Well, this Sunday, we're in Mark's Gospel, chapter 4. But before we get into Mark 4, I want to take us back for just a moment to Mark chapter 3, verse 14. It was sort of the key verse from last week's message. 
And as you find that, let me again remind all of us that the purpose of Mark's gospel is to evoke from the reader a lasting response in word and deed to the true identity of Jesus Christ. And last week we talked about the followers' calling. That all of us as followers of Jesus Christ have a calling on our life. And that Jesus calls us into this new family that he is creating. And part of that is, you'll notice in chapter 3, verse 14, that even when he called his first disciples, he first called them to be with him, and then in time he called them to go out from him and to minister, to serve, to preach, and to uh, have authority to cast out demons. Now, what I want you to see in Mark three fourteen is this, because we're going to build on that this week. You'll notice in Mark 3, 14 that in a sense, Jesus is asking us and calling us to be influenced by him to be with him so that he can send us out and be influential for him. That's what 3.14 is all about. First of all, before we can be effectively influential for God, we've got to be influenced by God, you see. That's why, first of all, our first priority is to be with Jesus, to spend time with him in his word and and just fellowship with him and, and, and be in worship of him and all of those things. And as we are with him and being influenced by him, then he will send us out to minister and serve effectively as we're influential for him. Now, with that said, when you come into chapter four, there are just two main points. Am I an influenced follower of Jesus Christ? And am I an influential follower of Jesus Christ? And we should be both. God calls us to be both. Let's first look at the influenced follower of Jesus Christ. Because what Jesus here is teaching in the first 20 verses of chapter 4 of Mark is that has the word of God, the message of God, affected us? We should be allowing God to influence us. And here, Jesus is primarily speaking about his word. Which is why it says in chapter 4, verse 1, again, he began to teach. Jesus was a preacher. He was a teacher. He was always sharing the word of God. And as he began to teach by the lake, such a large crowd gathered around him that he got into a boat on the lake And sat there while the whole crowd was on the shore by the lake. He taught them many things in parables and in his teachings he said to them, Listen, hear the voice of God. A sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seed fell along the path and the birds came and devoured it. Other seed fell on rocky ground where it did not have much soil. It sprang up at once because the soil was not deep. When the sun came... It was scorched, and because it did not have sufficient root, it withered. Other seed fell among the thorns, and they grew up and choked it, and it did not produce grain. But other seed fell on good soil and produced grain, sprouting and growing, some yielding 30 times as much, some 60, some 100. And he said, whoever has ears to hear had better listen, had better hear the voice of God. Jesus is teaching in this parable several things. One, he's most of all saying, am I an influenced follower? 
Am I allowing the word of God to affect my life, to change me, to transform me? And you will notice here in this parable that out of the four types of people illustrated by different types of soil that Jesus gives, that only one out of four ever truly are affected by the message. Only one out of four ever truly receive the message as God intends. The other three, no. I think about how sobering that is. Take all of you here today and let's divide us up into groups of, you know, four, 25%. And think about it. Even here today, take away the 75% and only 25% of you who are here today would be those who really receive the word of God, let it penetrate your heart, and let it change and transform your life. Wow. See, because the one thing that all of these people have in common is they all hear the word of God. It's not that Jesus said, now only one person heard the word of God and, and the rest didn't. No, he said, oh, they all heard the word. The, the, the question was not, did they really hear God's voice in their life? No, they all heard God's voice. The difference was, what type of heart did they have? What was the condition of their heart when they heard the word of God? And you'll notice that in verse 4, the first heart that Jesus describes here is a hard heart. And he describes it as one where the seed fell along the path. Why he uses that is in, obviously in Jesus' day, they didn't have cars. Most people walked everywhere they wanted to go or rode camels or horses or whatever. And, and when they would take these footpaths, obviously the hundreds of people that would travel along these footpaths would trample down the dirt over and over and over again to where it was packed tight. So that if seed did happen to fall on that packed, tight path, there was no saturation. There was no penetration. The seed would simply lay right on top and never even get in because it was so hard. And Jesus says that's the way some people who hear the word of God are. They're never influenced. They're never affected by the word because they come to the word of God with this hard heart where they hear it, but it just sort of lays on top. And Jesus says, as he goes a little bit further to explain this, if you go down to verse 15... He said, these are the ones on the path where the word is sown. And whenever they hear, immediately Satan comes and snatches the word that was sown in them. Why? Because it's just sitting there. It does not penetrate. It does not saturate. It does not affect. And so it's a easy pickings, if you will, for the spiritual enemy. And Jesus says, this is why some people who hear the word of God, they hear the voice of God, it never changes them. It never transforms them. Nothing ever changes. It never affects them. Why? Because they come to the word of God with a hard heart. And the seed of the word of God just lays on top. Hopefully that does not describe your heart this morning as you hear the voice of God. Then the second type of soil or heart is found in verse 5. And that's the rocky ground. And I would describe this heart as not the hard heart, but the vulnerable heart. The vulnerable heart. 
And here's why. Because Jesus goes on to describe the fact that even though it penetrates a little bit, it never really gets rooted deep enough, again, to bring forth any kind of fruit. In fact, you see this in verse 6 where he says, the sun comes up, it scorches it because it did not have sufficient root. In fact, again, Jesus goes beyond that even down in verse 16 where he says, these are the ones sown on the rocky ground and as soon as they hear the word, they receive it with joy. See, the idea here is that this second group, it's not that they're hard and that they don't want to receive it. It's like, oh, they actually get excited about hearing the word of God. They might even get emotional but they never stick with it long enough. They're never consistent enough in their hearing and never planted, if you will, deep enough at any point so that the Word doesn't go deep enough to really make a lasting, sustainable, enduring effect on their life. And that's why then in verse 17, Jesus says, they have, again, no root in themselves And do not endure. So when trouble or persecution comes because of the word, immediately they fall away. In other words, because they're not really planted and deep enough in their faith and rooted enough and grounded enough in God and in his word, when bad things happen, boom, gone. Because they don't have the spiritual depth to be able to deal with the realities of life. A vulnerable heart. And then back up in verse 7. The third type of soil or heart is what I call the distracted heart. He says, other seed fell among the thorns. And those thorns grew up and choked it and it did not produce grain. And again, Jesus amplifies this a little bit more over in verse 7. 18. Notice what he says. Others are the ones sown among thorns. They are those again who hear the word. But notice verse 19. Worldly cares, the seductiveness of wealth and desire for other things other than the Lord and his word come in and choke the word and it produces nothing. Do you know what American Christians say is their biggest sort of obstacle to what they believe is a deeper, more meaningful spiritual life? Here's what they say if they admit it. Busyness. Distracted hearts. Busyness. I'm so busy. I just don't have time for God. I don't have time for the local church. I don't have time to get together with my brothers and sisters. I don't have time. There's all these other demands in my life and I just can't give God any time. And Jesus says, yeah, that's one of the reasons why so many Christians, they hear the word. But it never really produces fruit, lasting fruit. In their life. It never really changes the trajectory of their life. It never really makes a difference in their attitudes and actions and all of these things. They pretty much stay the same for long periods of time. Because Jesus says, all kinds of people can be hearing the voice of God. 
But if they come with a hard heart, if their heart at that moment is vulnerable, if their heart at that moment is distracted, then the Word of God and the voice of God and the presence of God really has no lasting influence in their life. Fortunately, Jesus says, but there is one type of person. Verse 8. The other fell on good soil. I would call this the receptive heart. And it produced grain, sprouting and growing and yielding fruit. And again, Jesus talks about this in verse 20. He says, these are the ones sown on good ground. They hear the word of God and receive it and bear fruit. One 30 times as much, others 60 and even a hundred. Because all that Jesus is talking about here in these first 20 verses of Mark chapter 4 is simply this. God calls us as his followers to be influenced by him. To be able to get into his word and let the word of God affect us. Jesus even said in John 10, My sheep will hear, recognize my voice, and they will follow me. And that's why over and over again in this passage, Jesus says, are you listening? Are you listening? Are you listening? And listening is more than just hearing. It'd be like a parent saying, do you listen? are you listening to me, child? Well, they're not just saying, do you hear me? That, that's pretty self-explanatory. That's the obvious, right? When we say, are you listening? It's, are you getting what I'm saying? And then are you going to follow through with it and do it, if you will? And that's what Jesus says. He says it in verse 3, listen. He says it in verse 9, whoever has ears to hear had better listen. And then he says it again in verse 23. If anyone has ears to hear, he had better listen. Why? Because God expects every time I hear his voice, every time I'm I I hear the word of God every time I sense the moving of the spirit that I will have a receptive heart and that I will respond in a positive way to God. Because God doesn't just want to save us. God wants to affect our life and the way we live every day. He wants to change our perspective. He wants to change our attitudes. And he wants to make us more like Jesus Christ. But the only way that happens is when we come to the Lord and we come into his presence and we fellowship with him and we hear his word and we worship in his presence that we bring a receptive heart so that what God is moving and doing is actually going to affect us. Now, I think I've shared this with you before, but I sense even on a Sunday, and, and Nicole does too, and others that are, we sense some of you struggling out there. I mean, God literally gives us that ability to be able to sense people sort of resisting and putting up walls. And because we, we sense that spiritual, now, I can't say I can go around and pick who they are necessarily at times, but, but I can sense that happening, even as I'm speaking. And I certainly can sense it in my own life. I know whenever I've come to God and say, God, whatever you want to do, okay, I'm, 
I'm on board. I, 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 I'm bringing a receptivity to you today, God. Or there are times where it's like, I'm doing my duty. But God, even if you tell me, I'm probably going to arch my back today. I mean, we just know where we're at at those times. And that's why over and over and over again, Jesus says, listen, listen to what God is saying. Don't bring that hard, vulnerable, or distracted heart to me. Bring that receptive heart to me. But it doesn't end there. Because again, as Jesus pointed out in Mark 3, 14, he calls us to be with him so that he can send us out. Because God not only wants his word to affect us, God wants his message to affect others through us. And so that's why the second main point of this message is, am I an influential follower of Jesus Christ? Is God using our lives to influence and affect others? Is the message that he's giving to us being channeled through us to others? Which is why if you go over to verse 21, Jesus begins to talk about this by describing the purpose of the message of God. And the working of God in our lives. He says, folks, a lamp isn't brought to be put under a basket or under a bed, is it? Isn't it to be placed on a lampstand? Isn't the purpose of that lamp to give off light? Not to be hidden? So Jesus here is teaching. What I share with you, what I give to you, isn't just to stay with you. It isn't just to be for you, it's to go through you out to others. That's the purpose. God wants to influence us so that then he can influence others through us. So that his presence, his power, his message, everything about him can go through us and touch other people's lives. That's why we as Christians are called salt and light. We are to be affecting other people all the time. Am I an influenced follower? Am I an influential follower? And notice what Jesus says in verse 23 again. If anyone has ears to hear, he had better listen. And he said to them, take care not only that you hear, but about what you hear. Can I say... That's why it really is important what local church a Christian chooses to go to and be a part of. Because not every local church, you're going to hear what you need to hear. Because Jesus doesn't say, take care about hearing now. He says, take care about what you are hearing. Who are the voices you're allowing in your life? Are you hearing me through those voices? Are you in a place where you are hearing my messages and my voice? Or are you listening to people where you're not hearing me like you need to, like you should, like you could? And then he goes on to say this, the measure you use will be the measure you receive. God will respond to us the way we respond to him. In essence, what Jesus here is saying is, if I see that you're not responding to me, then I'm not going to give you any more understanding and comprehension and insight into my word and into my will and all that. Why would I? God isn't one to just waste his breath and waste his time. But 
On the flip side, God says, but if I see that you're responding, I'll give you more. I'll give you more comprehension, more understanding, more insight. Because I'll see that you have that receptive heart where you are responding, which is why Jesus says in verse 25, whoever has will be given more. But whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken from him. Basically, what Jesus is saying is, if you and I don't use what we do have, we will lose what we even have. Which is pretty sobering, too. And we understand that from a physical point of view. We've all heard, you know, if you don't use your muscles, they begin to atrophy. And then you don't even have the strength you used to have because you're not using those muscles and, and those joints and those things anymore. But if we use the things that we have, then we keep them strong and we even strengthen them. And the same principle Jesus says is true spiritually. If I'm not using what God has given me, then it's going to begin to decline and decrease. My spiritual muscles will begin to atrophy. And see, this is again why God calls us to service. It's not because he needs us to serve him. It's for our own benefit. It's like, I don't want you to just have all that I'm doing in your life sit with you. You've got to understand, you've got to start working it. And that's what service and ministry is all about. Which is what we're going to be talking about Wednesday night at Toby and Marsha's house. Service for the Lord. I, I think any Christian who's at least anywhere where they should be would go, I want God to use my life. I want God to affect others through me. That should be our desire. And if we're not in that place, then obviously we're in a very spiritually unhealthy place. We're either in a place where our heart is hard, our heart has been vulnerable, or our heart is so distracted that we're just not getting it anymore. Well, Jesus not only talks about the purpose of the message. Notice, I love this, and this should be very encouraging to all of us as Christians. He talks about the power of his message in verse 26, 27, 28, and 29, when he says, The kingdom of God is like someone who spreads seed on the ground. He goes to sleep. He gets up night and day, and the seed sprouts and grows, though it, he does not know how. By itself, The soil produces a crop, first the stalk, then the head, then the full grain in the head. And when the grain is ripe, he sends in the sickle because the harvest has come. Jesus is saying this. He's saying, folks, you don't have the responsibility or the pressure of actually bringing forth the fruit. God gets that. You don't have the power in yourself to do that. The power is in the word. Just like the power is in the seed itself. The life of that plant or that fruit, it's in the seed. So all the farmer really has control over is getting the ground ready and then planting the seed. As Jesus says, once he does that, everything else is out of his control. He can't control the weather. He can't control the rain and the sun. And he doesn't need to. All he's responsible for is to plant the seed because the power is in the seed. And Jesus is simply saying here, all you and I as his followers have to do is just plant the seed because there's power in the word of God. And God's word will change lives if we just trust and have faith to use it. And to let God's message and God's word flow through us to other people. 
the purpose of the message, the power of the message. Again, you and I are never responsible for the results. Just as I've told you before, one of the freeing things as a pastor is I'm never responsible for how you or anyone else who hears my messages respond to it. That's not on me. My responsibility before God, just as your responsibility before God, is simply to share the word. Plant the seed. Once we've done that, it's out of our hands, out of our... Because God doesn't hold us responsible for people's hard hearts and vulnerable hearts and distracted hearts. That's between them and God. But what God does say to us is, if you will be influenced by me, then also be influential for me. Get out there. Be that lamp. Shine your light and share the word of God. And then trust in verse 30 on down through the next few verses in the potential of the message of God. I love this too. So encouraging. Notice what Jesus says in verse 30. To what can we compare the kingdom of God? Or what parable can we use to present it? It's like a mustard seed. That when sown in the ground, even though it is the smallest of all the seeds in the ground, when it is sown, it grows up, becomes the greatest of all garden plants, and grows large branches so that the wild birds can nest in its shade. Jesus is saying, oh, don't despise humble, small beginnings. That's how God always works. That's how God always starts. It's always with those very small things that then just start growing. But it always starts small. That's why I think about even our little church, the Oasis. And think about already the worldwide effect that our ministry has. The emails and stuff that I get from from pastors and churches and, and Christians all over the world who listen to these podcasts. I think I've shared with you before that here's just one example that there is this sort of leader of pastors, of other pastors in Africa. And obviously he said, we don't have access to Bible colleges and seminaries over here. So what he does every week is he gathers all these other pastors from these villages and they come and they listen to the podcast of the Oasis. And they learn from this podcast so that then they can go out and share the seed of God's word with those folks there. See, that's the potential. And God wants us to get that in our own lives. Because God wants to affect others through us. Let me share with you an illustration from our own church family that just happened on Friday. You'd have been so proud of Debbie. Debbie passed, got up at her sister's funeral and just let the message of God flow through, through her to affect all those hundreds of people in that church that day. And she shared Jesus. Only Jesus. It was wonderful. And even though it's not right, I got to say, Debbie, I got to admit this. I'm sitting back there as as her pastor going, makes me proud. (laughs) Not that I had anything to do with it. I don't. I really don't. But it's just 
That's what God wants. And here's the thing, and this is what I want you to see too and why I wanted to use it. We never know when those opportunities are going to come, so that's why we've always got to be ready. We don't know when those conversations and those even those, those chance meetings that we call chance, that God never calls chance, might happen. We don't know when a family member may pass away or something may happen unexpectedly where our faith is right there and, and boy, we, we could witness and testify to the reality of God in our life and all that. But if we're not in a position where we're really growing and, and, and where, you know, there's any kind of foundation in our life, we probably will back away from that opportunity and not take it. One of the things that that showed me even about Debbie was this has just been all part of her spiritual growth and maturity. And she was at a place in her life where even though that was a terrible experience for her and her family to go through, Man, when God called upon her to get up in front of hundreds of people and to testify about Him, she was ready. She was ready. Because God not only wants to influence us, He wants to influence others through us. And in these last verses here that we're going to look at this morning about the mustard seed, I want to just for a moment, I want to transfer it a little bit and take it out to even apply it in this way. Not only do these verses teach us about the potential of the message of God in our lives, it teaches us about the potential of the messengers as well. What do I mean? Well, there are so many Christians who... If they can't do for God what they want to do, then they don't do anything. Or if I can't do something big for God, then I'm not doing anything. And God's like, you don't get it, do you? You're not listening to my voice. Are you? It starts out small. Just do something small. Just do something. And as you do something for me, then you watch me begin to take that and multiply it and magnify it and elevate it and use it in ways that you could never imagine. But don't sit there and do nothing. Get up and step forward and step out and do something. And let me show you that just like with that little boy, if you just give me that little lunch that you can bring me, I'll multiply it and use it to feed thousands of people. That's the potential. And every one of you in this room, as I shared last week, you have so much potential that is yet to be tapped into, that is yet to be reached. And God wants to reach into your life and my life this coming year. And He wants to begin to pull out all of that potential that He placed within you when He created you and He saved you. And this is the year, folks, for you and I to begin to allow God to really tap into that potential. And it doesn't come by us only doing what we want and only doing something big. If we can't do that, then we do nothing. No. It's time to begin to do something, even if it's small, because the potential is always there. God says, my kingdom is like the littlest seed, that mustard seed. And all it takes is faith and belief and trust and confidence in me to plant that littlest of seeds and then watch me take over and watch me begin to grow something.
way beyond what you could ever imagine. God wants to influence our lives today so that we can be influential for Him. Has the Word of God affected us? And then, is the Word of God affecting others through us? Those are the questions that God wants to leave in our hearts and minds today. Will we listen and hear the voice of God? Let's stand and pray as our worship team comes. God, we thank you today for the power of your message, the power of your word. We thank you, God, for the potential of our lives, the potential of your word. And we thank you, God, for being reminded of the purpose of it all. That everything you do in our lives, every movement, every effect that you have on us isn't just to stay with us. It's to move through us and touch other people. Who, God, do you want me to be touching? Who do you want me to be affecting? Whose life do you want me to be a part of? Will we come today with receptive hearts? Lay aside the hard heart. Lay aside the vulnerable heart. Lay aside this distracted, busy heart that's going after so many other things. And let's settle on you, Jesus, and receive what you have for us. For I love that song today, the new one that Nicole introduced to us, Only Jesus. Because as she said, even in introducing it, even as Christians sometimes, we... We go after all these other things that really do not bring fulfillment and satisfaction. The only thing that does is Jesus. And Jesus is speaking to all of us today, saying, lay all those other things aside and prioritize your life with me. Seek first my kingdom and my righteousness. And then all those other things will fall into the rightful Let me begin to pull out of your life all of that potential that I placed within you that day, that I created you, that I formed you in your mother's womb. God, may we dedicate our lives to you today as we sing, take my life and let it be. These things we pray in Jesus' name.